Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Awesome. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms that are out there. We're, we're excited for today, and, and I'm excited about Mother's Day because I know that if uh, there wasn't a mom, I wouldn't be here. So if you're here today, you should be thankful for your mom. I don't care who you are. you got to be thankful for your mom, and we honor you today. We love you guys. And uh, today we're going we're gonna to use uh, moms as great examples. And so if you have your Bible, if you want to turn it, in, it to Proverbs chapter 31, we're going to be hanging out there today quite a bit. If you don't have a Bible, you can look in your worship guide. If you don't have a worship guide, you can take a look at the screen. We'll have information there while you're turning there. This week I was studying and looking and just looking up stuff about moms. And, and I found this, this test that, that talked about whether or not you're ready to be a mom or a parent. And they gave like seven different tests that you can take in order to determine if you're ready to be a parent. And so I thought that they were pretty funny. And so I thought I'd share some of them with you. And so there's, there's a couple of different tests. The first one was a mess test. They said, if you're ready to be a parent or a mom, what you need to do to determine that is go home, take out the biggest thing of Jif peanut butter, spread it all over your drapes and your couch uh, at about knee level, and then go and grab some fish sticks, cook them, throw them behind your couch, turn your air off, and leave it there all summer long. And if you can stand that, then you're probably ready to be a parent or a mom. They also said, there was another one that said it was a toy test. And they said, this is a really, really good factor if you're ready to have a baby. And they said, what you need to do is you need to go and find a 55-gallon drum, fill it with Legos, Dump it out all over your living room, blindfold yourself, and walk around without making a noise because you might wake up your, your sleeping child. And they said, if you don't have Legos, you can look for roofing nails. They'll work just as well. I thought that was pretty funny because I, I, I know lots of parents, they, they complain about stepping on Legos continuously. Another one they said is the grocery store test, and this is probably my favorite. They said the way you determine if you're ready to have a kid in the grocery store is you go and you purchase a couple of goats, you take them to the grocery store with you, and you just let them wild while you shop. And anything they destroy or eat while you're in there, you pay for and take care of. And if you can handle that and, and gather them back up at the end of it, then you're probably ready to be a parent thought that was crazy. I would just like to try that just for the fun of it. Just show up at Publix with some goats and see what's happened. <laughs> like that would just be a great, great day. Uh, they also said there was another one that was a feeding test. And they said, what you need to do is grab a, a gallon jug, uh, fill it halfway with water, tie it on the ceiling and swing it around and then grab a soggy bowl of Cheerios and try to do airplane noises and get it inside the, the gallon jug of, of water. And if you can finally do that, then at the end of that, cut the rope that's holding the jug of water and let it explode and hit the ground because that's what your kid's about to do after they eat all that food. So that one wasn't, wasn't very good. And then finally, they said the night test. They said that this is, this is the defining way to know whether you're ready to have a baby. They said prepare uh, by obtaining a small cloth bag and fill it with 8 to 12 pounds of sand. They said soak that sand thoroughly in water for quite a few hours. At 8 p.m., begin to waltz and hum with the bag until about 9 o'clock. Lay that bag down that bag down at 9 o'clock. At 10 o'clock, go back in and pick the bag up. And for the next little bit, sing every song that you've ever heard in your entire life. And after you've sung them through multiple times, start making up your own songs. And finally, at about 4 a.m., you can lay that bag down in its crib, set your alarm for 5 a.m., and start all over again. If you do that, you're ready to be a parent. And so thinking about all that and thinking about the fact that 
for the majority of people, moms are the ones that deal with all of that, aren't they? They're the ones that are hauling kids to grocery stores. They're the ones that are up all night feeding and taking care of all those things. I thought that it would be a great day to honor moms, and not only a great day to honor moms, but a great day to learn from moms because moms have a lot to teach all of us about life. And there's some principles that we can learn out of Proverbs 31 of how to be a person of respect and how to be a person of honor because I think that one of the things that really defines moms and when you look at all they do is is you just can't help but respect and honor them for the sacrifices that they make. And so we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 31 starting in verse 10. It says, A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good and not harm all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. In verse 15, skipping down, it says, She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her women servants. She considers a field and buys it. And out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. And looking at this and some other verses that we're going to look at, there, I believe that there are seven keys to being a person of honor, being a person of respect, being a person of influence that we can learn out of this chapter in Proverbs. And the first one is this, is that a person of honor has a strong work ethic. And if you want to be a man or a woman or a teenager that people respect, that people honor, one of the best ways that you can start by earning that from other people is by working hard. And if you think about moms, they are by far the best example of this. I think about my mom. My mom was an entrepreneur. I remember growing up, my mom owned four businesses at one time. She owned two bars, a restaurant, and a catering business at four separate locations. Not only was she doing and running all of those businesses, but at the same time, my mom was taking care of me. And and if you don't know me, I'm kind of a handful anyway, so you can imagine me as a snotty-nosed little brat who had attitude. Basically, I got spanked every day. That was my memory of my upbringing was getting sent to my room, destroying my room and then getting spanked. And uh, that would probably explain a lot of my issues as well. And so like I remember that and my mom would be there. But then at the same point, we'd go to our baseball game and she'd be the biggest encourager. We'd go to this event. She would be there doing that. She'd be traveling around coaching other women business leaders. And I thought to myself, how in the world can my mom do all this stuff? I think that this mic is the problem there. Is that better? Is that not feeding back now? Much better. Okay. Sorry, that was just dropping me nuts. Um, I think about that. I think about my mom and the fact that, like, how could she do that much stuff? It's because she had a strong work ethic. And I think every mom out there has got to have a strong work ethic in order to manage her household, manage her husband, which is like having an additional kid. Every, every wife knows that. Your husband is an additional kid. You have all of that stuff, and you're trying to manage all that and do all those things. The only way you're going to be able to accomplish all that is with a strong work ethic. And, and, and every successful person out there knows that, that the reason they're successful is, is typically because they're working hard. The longer I look at success, the more I realize it isn't based on talent. It isn't based on giftedness. Most of the time it's based on, are you willing to outwork other people? That's what the determining factor for success is. And if you want to be successful in life, it starts and begins with a strong work ethic. And I've just learned if, if I want something done, I'll ask a single mom to do it. You want to know why? Because a single mom can figure out how to get everything in the world done. 
There are no excuses whatsoever. Every time somebody tells me they're busy, I go, really? Because i got a single mom that's doing everything that you're doing and being a dad and owning businesses and doing all these things. Uh, so you're really not that busy. You're just lazy. Nobody really likes that because that's kind of synonymous with Christianity these days. Uh, one of the things you'll find being around Christians is that they're notoriously lazy. Because they just think we just have to have faith. And God's job is to do everything where faith is really a step of action on our part. And then God shows up and does his part. And it starts with us having a strong work ethic and being willing to do those things. And my question is, is, is what would it look like if, if instead of having to call a mom to get stuff done, if when things needed to get done, people referred to and said, you know what, I, I better find a strong Christian person because I know that they're going to get something done. Like, how awesome would that be? And that's how we become a person of respect and honor. Verse 20 says this. It says, she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. The next thing that we can learn from moms is, is moms have learned how to work for something greater than themselves. If you look at moms, there's nothing more selfless than motherhood. Where else in your life do you put your life on hold for two decades because you've had a child? Like you put down your dreams, you put down your goals in order to help them fulfill their dreams or their goals. It's one of the most selfless acts, I think, on the face of earth, being a mother and, and parenting children these days. And I think that the part of the, the, the problem in society is that the majority of us haven't realized that, that a lot of times what we're doing is for the greater good of something bigger. We just haven't equated it to that yet. I think about this. There's a story in the 60s about the Apollo space program. And, and it was when they were getting ready to put someone on the moon for the very first time. And a whole bunch of reporters showed up at, at Cape Canaveral. And they started interviewing people. They started interviewing engineers. They started in interviewing people that were on the ground that were working on the space rocket. And they were talking to them and asking them about their job descriptions and what they were doing. And people were describing the tasks that they were doing. They were saying, oh, I'm, you know, I've, I've configured this program for the space shuttle. And, and finally, one of the reporters was walking around and he saw a janitor who was, who was in, in one of the, the hallways just mopping. And he walked up to him and he said, like, what, what, is, what are you doing here? Like, what's your purpose here? And he said, man, I'm putting a man on the moon. He said, I'm here to put a man on the moon. Now, what he was physically doing is he was mopping the floor. But in essence, what he was doing is he was creating a place where they could walk through and it would be clean so they could get to the place so they could eventually get to the moon. Because he realized that what he was doing was something so much bigger than the task that was at hand. He was helping and being responsible to getting the end goal done in life. And I think about that here at this campus that, that every morning at 7 a.m. on Sundays, there's men and women that show up here that, that you'll probably never know the names of that are, that are here that are taping down cords and pushing out boxes out of trailers, not so that they can just set up a kid's room or, or tape down some cords, so they can create an environment where people can be changed by Jesus. They're not just doing some tasks. They're creating an atmosphere for God to move and shape and transform people's lives because they realize that their life is about something greater than just accomplishing a task. And if we want our lives and our responsibilities to take on a whole new level of significance, we've got to realize that, that what we're doing isn't just to accomplish a goal of, of something task-oriented. It's about accomplishing something bigger than ourselves for the greater good. Of the vision that God has for our lives. Verse 21 says, When it snows, she has no fear for, for her household. 
Apparently, I can't step up there. That's the problem. Okay, we'll stay back here. <laughs> when it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. I think the third thing that we can learn is that we've got to be prepared for the unexpected with margin and reserves. Nothing generates honor and respect more than being prepared for the unexpected. And, and you know this is true. When you're unprepared, don't you know that everything goes wrong when you're not prepared for the situation? I know this is true. Uh, quite a few years ago, I was on a missions trip, uh, and my wife was with me, and I, I, was, I brought a team to a third world country. We were doing a whole bunch of ministry work. We were building churches and doing all these things. And one night, I was scheduled to speak at a church, and, and I, as I was preparing, some of the locals decided to bring us food. And when you're on a mission trip, uh, it, it's really important that when people bring you food that they've worked really, really hard for and all those things that you eat whatever they bring to you. And so they brought us something. I had no idea what it was. It didn't smell good. It didn't taste good. You just kind of hold your nose and down it and say, thanks. That was awesome. And so that's what I did. And then we showed up for this church service and, and praise and worship was starting. It wasn't quite praise and worship like this. They were playing like turtle shells and pieces of wood and just crazy instruments that they had made up. It's actually absolutely amazing. And I'm sitting there next to my wife and while I'm sitting there next to her, all of a sudden she looks over and she says, my face went from being really, really vibrant and colorful to all of a sudden I just went completely flush white. And it was like, if you've ever been to a third world country, Montezuma's revenge reared its ugly head. And, and, and we like to say at my house, all of a sudden a belly bomb just went off in my stomach. And when you're in a third world country, like most of the time, there's not a lot of great bathrooms around. And so I was like, man, I need to use a restroom right now. And so luckily the church that we were at had made some sort of like outhouse in the back. And I'm like, thank goodness. And I'll run out there and, and I'll do some business. Okay. And, um, and when I'm finishing up, I will look over to grab some toilet paper. No toilet paper. Unprepared. I gotta preach. Like they're waiting on me to walk in to preach. And I've got no toilet paper in a squatty potty. You know what I'm saying? And and I'm and I'm freaking out. I'm like, what do you do? And so I did what any re resourceful man does. I use my underwear. <laughs> and then I leave it there. <laughs> and you go commando. But I was not prepared for the unexpected. And man, it almost cost me everything. This is what I know about moms though. You go to any mom in here and you go, hey, can I see your purse? And you're going to pull out wet wipes out of there. You're going to pull out like a, a complete sewing kit out of that. You're, there's maybe like two or three meals in there for their kids. Like everything under the sun is in a mom's purse, isn't it? Because they're always prepared for the unexpected in life. They're always ready for the whatever is going to happen. I want to make sure that I'm prepared for my babies and my husband no matter what's going on. And so what about us? Do we live a life where we're prepared for the unexpected? Do we live lives that way? And particularly in, in two areas, because there's two areas of our lives that impact us the most for the unexpected. That's our time and that's our finances. And this is what I found in life. My car never breaks down except for when I'm running late and I'm broke. Come on now, you know it's true. Your car doesn't break when everything, when you got money in the bank and plenty of time on your hands, the car doesn't break right then. It only breaks when everything's, when every, there is no time and there is no money. Why? Because there, it's the time for the unexpected. And so how are you doing in those areas? Are you prepared for what might be right around the corner? Are you setting yourself up to be that in life? 
Because I, I know this, I never underestimate how good it feels to have margin in my finances and have margin in my time. It allows me to do so much more in life. And I'm sure it will allow you to do so much more in your life. Verse 23 says, Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. And we can learn from moms to surround ourselves with the right people. We've got to surround ourselves with the right people because earning respect starts with having the right people surrounding you who are respected by others. And, and you read this verse and you think to yourself, well, this verse is all about her husband. It says, her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. And you start thinking about that, but you, you think to yourself, who's been the most influential person in her husband's life? I know this about my life. The most influential person in my life is my wife. My wife can speak things to me that nobody else in this world can say to me and get away with it and influence me. And so I think her husband's wisdom came particularly from her. But at the same point, where did her wisdom come from? Her wisdom came from her husband. And so there is this teamwork that's going on. And this is what I know is, is that, that we want to be people of respect and we want to be people of honor. Then we've got to surround ourselves with people that are going to encourage us to make wise decisions. And my question for you is, who is providing wisdom in your life? Who are the people that you're surrounding yourself with that are speaking into your life so that you can make wise decisions? I know that there's, there's like five people in my life that are constantly being called upon to help me make wise decisions. Because what I found is that I make really dumb decisions when I make decisions by myself. Yeah, some of you guys laugh because you're like, that's me too. Hey. Like, well, let's not get together because then we'll make horrific decisions, okay? We need to find some people that, that are a little bit further ahead that maybe have some insight into some areas that we lack in to help us make good decisions. Because this is what I know. The people you surround yourself with will either make you or break you in life. And if you want to know where you're heading in life, look at your friends because that's what you're going to look like in five years. And so if you're hanging around a bunch of hood rats, there's a good chance you're going to end up being a hood rat. If you're hanging around a whole bunch of successful people that are making wise decisions, there's a good chance you're going to start making some wise decisions and you're going to find yourself more successful. But it's who are you surrounding yourself with in life? Verse 26 says, She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. You've got to seek wisdom in life. You've got to seek wisdom. And, and I know this, moms have the craziest wisdom in the world. Who'd have ever thought that baking soda and peanut butter would get, would get gum out of your hair? Like, who comes up with that stuff? Only moms can come up with that stuff. It's part of the reason I'm bald today, because baking soda and peanut butter also cause you to be bald. Um, because that's what my mom used, and, and gum would come right out every single time. But the people that we respect and the people that we honor, man, are constantly growing and developing wisdom in their life. Wise people say stupid stuff like, watch this. You want to know why they're saying watch this? Because they're stupid and they're about to screw everything up in life. And I, I have a saying that I tell all the time. It's this, we can't fix stupid, we can just love it. So, like, we don't fix that, we seek wisdom. Seek wisdom from people. In fact, Proverbs 9.11 says, For through wisdom your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. My prayer for the last 15 years has been, God, give me wisdom. God, give me wisdom. 
Because I know that without wisdom, man, I'm terrible at making choices. And I'll do whatever it takes to find wisdom. I'll go anywhere, see anybody in order to grow and develop in my life. In fact, for two and a half years ago, for six months, I would drive to Anderson, South Carolina every single month, spend two days with one guy named Perry Noble, who is one of my mentors, so I could learn and grow and develop wisdom in my life. What are you doing in your life right now to seek wisdom? What are you doing to develop that aspect? Because wisdom gives you something, not just for yourself, but it gives you something to help other people. Because wisdom isn't just so you can hold it and keep it and know it all for yourselves. Because it says this in verse 26, faithful instruction is on her tongue. The reason she's able to instruct and help other people is because it's something that she sought in her life. And it's got to be something that we seek in our life as well. Verse 26 says, or verse 30 says this, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. What it's telling us is that in life, we've got to be a lot more than skin deep. See, we live in a world where it's so much surface and it's so much, how can I put on a show and how can I put on a mask and, and, and act like I've got it all together. But this is what I know. You can impress people from a distance, but you can only impact people when you're up close. And I don't know about you, if you've ever met somebody that, that you've wanted to meet all of your life. Maybe they were a hero of yours when I was a little kid. I got the opportunity to meet uh, Don Mattingly. If anybody was a big New York Yankees baseball fan in, in the late 80s, Donnie Baseball, there's one in here. Okay. And Don Mattingly, like, like as, a, as a kid, was one of my, like, I loved Don Mattingly. I had every baseball card of his. I thought he was the greatest first baseman to ever come along. And my parents arranged for me to be able to meet Don Mattingly after a uh, a spring training game in Sarasota, Florida. And, and I'll never forget walking in to this room and Don Mattingly was in there and he had had a bad game. And instead of like endearing himself to a fan, what he did is he cussed me out as an eight-year-old. And then he stormed out of the room. How many of you all know that Don Mattingly was no longer my favorite baseball player? <laughs> Like, he was impressive from far, man. I would watch him at bats. I'd watch him on TV. But when I got up close, I saw all the things that were wrong in his life. And how he treated people. And it changed my perspective completely on him. Because we got to be more than skin deep in life. And if you want to be a person of honor and you want to be a person of respect, we can't allow our lives to be just skin deep. We're living in an age where there is so much information out there and where there's so much more known about us that we can't just be somebody on the outside and live somebody completely different on the inside because what's going to come through at some point and you're going to be found out. And so we got to be more than that. Because there's fewer and fewer secrets out there today. We've seen this all the time. We've, seen, we've just seen it here locally. You can hide for a time, but everything will eventually come out. And so how are we going to commit to being authentic in life? How are we going to commit to being real and transparent so that when we, we show not just all the good things, but there are bad things because all of us have those things. But if we're honest with ourselves and we're honest with other people, it's at that point that we can grow and develop in those areas. Because that beauty and that facade that we're putting on, it's saying it's fleeting. And then it says, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And that, 
That's because we've got to fear the Lord. If we're going to be a person of honor and respect, man, it comes down to fear of God. And I'm not talking about a kind of fear where you're shaking in your boots and you're scared to death kind of fear. I'm talking about a, a reverence and a respect for who God is and what he wants to do in your life. It's living your life in such a way that in every action that you live, in every action that you do, it communicates Jesus to a lost and dying world, even if they don't know that your life is pursuing Jesus. What about you? What about me? Do our lives look like that? And here's the test of that. When you meet a stranger, if you don't tell them you love Jesus, how long will it take for them to realize that Jesus is at the center of everything that you do? How long will it take them to realize that you don't live the same way as everybody else, but you live by a, set, a different set of standards. You live by a different set of morals. You live by a different set of values than what everything else tells us to live by. And here's the result of, of a life that, that looks that way. Here's the result of a life that where we have a strong work ethic and where we're, we're working for something greater in our life, where we realize that our life is so much more than just the task at hand, where we're being authentic in everything that we do, where we're fearing God, when we're continuously seeking wisdom and surrounding ourselves with people who are further along than we are, that can help lead and guide us down that thing, where we're constantly having margin and preparation ahead of time for the unexpected in life. What happens is Proverbs 31, it says 31. Honor her for all her hands have done. And let the, her works bring her praise at the city gate. Because, see, the result of a life that's lived that way, the a result is a life that is respected, and the result is a life that is honored. And a person who has these seven principles living in their life, the person that is having these things be evident in their life is a person that people can respect, is a person that people can follow. A woman who lives life this way is a woman that is adored and loved by her children and family because she's exemplifying the traits that everybody is looking for in every relationship. And so today, bombs, we honor you. We honor you for giving us clarity, for giving us a mark to run after, of what godliness should look like in our lives. But here's the question for all of us. Because not all of us have reached perfection in these areas. That's, that's for sure. I know I haven't. But which of those seven areas is maybe the lowest rung in your life? What's the area that you need to work on? What's the area that you need to grow in and develop in? To look more and more like Jesus to this world. Because that's the thing that we need to focus in on and develop today. It's the thing that we need to ask God to grow us in and give us opportunities to see him move in that area of our life. And watch God do something amazing inside of us. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you today. We just thank you for the example that you've given us in Proverbs 31 of a woman who is living a life that is so representative of what you desire for each and every one of us. Man, woman, child, youth, 
college student, doesn't matter. And God, I pray that as we reflect on our lives, as we look intrinsically within ourselves or introspectively within ourselves, God, that we would say, where, where am I falling short? What is the area that I need to focus on and develop? Maybe it's my work ethic. Maybe it's this is an area where I've slacked in life and I need to pick up. Maybe it's in a reverence and fear of God. Like we, God's cool and all, but we don't fear and, and revere Him. Like He's 17th on our list of priorities and, and maybe He needs to shift. Not maybe, He needs to shift to that first spot. Maybe it's that we've been putting on masks and just being surfacy. And it's time to dig a little, little bit deeper and get real and authentic because this is what I know is that we'll never become who God says we are until we become real with ourselves and real with God. And when we can be comfortable in our own skin is when God can use us to do amazing things. And so God, I pray that today you'd reveal to each and every person here what is that step that they need to take? What is the response that they need to have to you today? I pray that the Holy Spirit would move and shape and, and just move in people's hearts right now. And that God, that we would seek after you with all of our heart and that you would transform us from the inside out. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.